0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. Before we begin this podcast, we do have a big announcement. As you all know, Eliza is pregnant, very pregnant right now, and she is due uh, any week by the time this podcast comes out, pretty much any week. I will
1: have had the baby. (laughs) Yeah, probably by now. So
0: maybe uh, go ahead and message her. There might be some photos on Instagram. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Um, what we're going to do is take a break and this will be, uh, probably three to four months because obviously she's got a new baby and I think that's going to be the priority. Um, and also we have been doing this for two years, uh, nonstop and a couple of things have happened with COVID and how I've been trying to add little elements to the podcast. I've also been doing this a lot with my other content. I've tried to do a lot of things and I think I've realized I've just become a bit overburdened with everything and I've become 90% manager administrator and I don't get to actually be the artist or podcaster I want to be so I want to just change things up a little bit as well wouldn't mind the three to four month break so from about mid-September to I'd say maybe mid-January. Um, there won't be any sex sales or Neil Jordan podcasts. And if you're subscribed, as you know, all that money goes straight to charity. So I would encourage you to stay subscribed. However, uh, by all means, if you'd like to cancel that subscription, you can just go to my website and we'll be back in 2023, uh, probably with a few new fresh ideas and maybe a different direction that we might want to go in and I've always wanted to bring on guests and things like that so <clears throat> I've got a lot of ideas in my head of uh, some of the things I want to do but yeah we're just going to take three to four months off and Eliza gets to spend a lot of time with the uh, with the new baby so now like we've gotten okay. through that. Today we are going to be talking about fuckboys but also Men in powerful positions, men in positions of power, there's clearly a disproportionate amount of men in positions of power or with high status that uh, act licentiously or uh, they act with uh, reckless abandon and they're often caught cheating on their wives, having multiple sexual partners, uh, doing things that uh, you know we would all consider unscrupulous and unethical most people. I mean, even presidents, people like Bill Clinton and and Donald Trump, look at the behavior they've engaged in. But I would also be very interested to discuss all right, is this a compulsion that maybe a lot of men or even most men have? And it's only the men who are in these positions of power that are able to actually do it. Is there something about men who have an extraordinarily high sex drive and a compulsion to sleep with a lot of uh, women that are attracted to positions of power? So there's a lot we can unpack but before that eliza how are you going how's everything
1: it's great <laughs> um <laughs> you sleeping I slept in like no not in like a week um literally i i sleep from 9 p.m and wake up at 1 a.m like clockwork Oof. so that's i know that's gonna be the time that baby wakes me up every night um so but i'm getting along get getting there not long now um We were in the hospital on Saturday night just getting a check and we went there to the birthing suite at like the busiest time they've ever had and there was like 10 women there giving birth at the same time and they put us in a room between them all. So Adrian got to hear all the women screaming bloody murder while they gave birth and he, like the colour just drained from his face. Um, So he's a bit nervous now because I don't think... He's not the one going through it though. Yeah, like, you don't even have to worry. Just don't faint. Um, you just have to chill. Like, you you're you got the lucky job here. But I think he was really um, traumatized from that. And to be fair, like, I don't know if these women were going unmedicated or something, but I've never heard screams like that um, coming oh. from so many rooms. It was crazy. And then when we finally got discharged because they left us there for hours um, because of how many women were there. We left and there was two other women laboring in the waiting room, also screaming, holding her stomach like it's coming. Um, so that was fun.
0: Soldiers, you know, going to war.
1: couple more weeks, that'll be me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Have fun.
1: Thank you. Yes, I will I'll try my best <laughs> to do that. Um,
0: so did any of them have that? a particularly prolonged labor? What's the average amount of, like, what's, I guess, a normal oh, labor? It's
1: so different. So some women can have their, like, water break and then give birth within two hours and other women labor for 10 hours and then a lot of the time they want to induce you early because it's, like, Lower risk. So the earlier you give birth from 37 weeks, which is where I'm at now, um, the lower the risk of stillbirth is. So they might sometimes find reasons to induce you. Like for me, they've been talking about it because my baby's measuring so big. But getting induced is like 10 times more complicated. And usually labor can last like four days. Four Um, days. And it's way more painful because they have to give you like this drug called like, I think it's called Pitocin and it's basically synthetic contraction. So it's way more painful. So you don't have the natural oxytocin balancing out your contraction. So it's, I'm trying to avoid that, but yeah. Yeah. Four, four days. Imagine that thinking, is Like I'm getting induced. I'm going to have a baby soon. And, um, then you, then you just there for days in pain and they put a balloon up your, your hoo-ha. Um, <laughs> crazy to try expand it damn but i'm just hoping my boy comes on his own terms and i'll deal with the consequences of it <laughs> later
0: yeah Wow. Well, no it's uh, i mean what can i say like oh yeah just doing my usual thing I'm not about to have a uh, you know significant transformation to my life and my body so i feel like anything i say is just gonna pale in comparison but yeah i'm good i'm pretty good good um a lot yeah I mean like what like what I said at the start of the podcast just a lot of that sort of stuff is basically yeah I had a I, g- I guess I had a I've been reflecting a lot on like the last couple of years with COVID and and whatnot and each time a lockdown hit I changed what I was doing a fair bit and I sort of added either a new arm to to what I was doing and I had a lot of ideas about becoming this kind of you know, varied artist that does comedy and podcasting and acting and all these things. And I brought on all these people and I kept expanding. But yeah, essentially what happened is I've become like 80% manager administrator. So um, just Mm -hmm. been thinking about that a fair bit. Did my tax today. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fun stuff.
1: Do you feel burnt out?
0: I kind of yeah, like a bit more mentally burnt out cuz it's just not doing what I ultimately want I what I want to do, which is actually create and and be an artist and you know with these podcasts I always thought I'd be reading a book each week to try and, you know, mm-hmm. figure out what we'd talk about and I just I literally just haven't had time because yeah. I've just been managing a lot of things and it's all been very rewarding and nice, but I got to just put uh, my corporate consultancy hat on and scale back operations I suppose and figure out so what I want to focus on
1: come January next year do you think that your um listeners and fans should be expecting some kind of changes in your work a
0: little bit yeah I mean actually it wouldn't be a big change It'd just be probably less or like I'd be focusing on maybe just sketches or maybe just stand up or something like that mm-hmm. um obviously we'd still be doing the, the podcast but whether or not you know there's as many things attached to it like the highlights and you know just um, a lot of other things as well so probably just a yeah a a bit of a rebrand but not a not a big one um and that's a a lot of that's just a hangover from covid so just a lot of things um happened then in the entertainment industry and that affected the digital media space as well and uh it's it's yeah everyone's dealing with that i think so yeah,
1: it's yeah.
0: a huge lasting impact of it, isn't it? Yeah, so nothing nothing too major, all a learning curve. And yeah, you know, I wouldn't say I'm burnt out, but just want uh, to just have a time to reflect a little bit and think about what I want to focus on. And I'm kind of getting older as well and got to think about money a little bit more too. And, you know, just mm-hmm. all these other things are kind of adding up. But yeah, again, nothing yeah. compared to what you're about to... <laughs> uh experience in your life so you know that's the real adventure
1: different kinds of different kinds of adventures we're both going on new paths oh yeah
0: yeah <laughs> I, think, I think you're going on a much more transformative one <laughs> but um you know everyone's everyone's on their own journey that's that's maybe life I'll
1: come back and you'll be like a full um buddhist or something wearing orange with a shaved head and Look, ready to speak zen
0: maybe but uh somehow doubt that <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll see though. Never say never. Never say never. <laughs>
1: um,
0: before we get on to the topic that we're going to talk about, we are going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. You can skip through this part if you'd like, but they uh have been gracious enough to sponsor this podcast, and it would be nice if you can listen through. We're first sponsored by Steady Freddy. Steady Freddy have a wide range of men's sexual health products. They've got Ball Boost tablets that'll help boost your sex drive, your testosterone. They've got condoms. They've got wet wipes. And their most well-renowned product is their delay spray. So if you suffer from premature ejaculation, have a a few sprays of that and you'll last as as long as your heart desires. So uh, go to SteadyFreddy.com. Use the code SEXCELLS. You get 15% off and all their ingredients are on their website. The delay spray was formulated by Dr. David Reiner. So all the information is there. If you have any underlying health conditions or anything like that, maybe consult your doctor first. But otherwise, they've got that huge range. And like I've been saying, Daniel's been using those Ball Boost tablets quite frequently. I use them as well. They've, they've increased his load by a lot, apparently. I haven't, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been looking at his load but uh, this, is, this is according to him. So Wait,
1: who's been using it? Daniel. Who, oh, good on him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm if you want to increase your load, the, uh, the volume of your load, get on those Steady Freddy Ball Boost tablets. The cum, uh, no, the spray to keep the cum at bay. That's the good little tagline. So steadyfreddy.com, yeah. use the code sex sales. We're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush with a K, crushorganics.com. They've got a huge range of CBD oils and CBD oil products. They've got platinum, the platinum oil. They've got different sort of intensity of the oils. Um, the nighttime oil, the everyday oil. They've also got pain cream. They've got gummies. They've got CBD oil for your cats. Uh, use the code Neil uh, if you buy anything then and you get 40% off. So I uh, would strongly recommend uh The platinum oil helps me sleep like a baby, helps me relax, get rid of all that uh, stress and uh, tension that everyone's feeling in this crazy modern world. So go to crushorganics.com. All the ingredients as well are there on their website and always read the label. And if you have any potentially underlying health conditions that could be affected by it, make sure you consult a doctor. And if you haven't used it before, maybe just start off with one or two drops And those are our sponsors. And, oh, of course, come see me live, myself and a couple of other comedians, ComedyUntamed.com. By the time this podcast comes out, we'll be really amping up the shows. So uh, there's weekly shows in Sydney, all over Western Sydney, Newcastle, Brisbane. We got a few. We're probably filming a comedy special, an improv special in Brisbane at our Brisbane shows. So definitely if you're a resident of Brisbane, come along to that. Let's pack it out. Let's get good energy in the room. They've got a great comedy room up there. And we're also doing Perth, uh, Melbourne, all over the place. So, ComedyUntamed.com. And, yeah, let's get on to some, uh, some fuckboys. Some-
1: Wait, before we yes. do. Maybe. I just had to wake my dog up because she's-, she's having a nightmare. <laughs> she's making – she'll start How do you know she's having in- a – she makes these little, like, hamster noises. I don't know if you'd probably be able to hear it. If I you think I heard a little bit. Your- <laughs> yeah. That's cute. <laughs> she's up now. She's okay. That's very cute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's adorable.
0: I woke her up from her. What, what, what do you think she's have what do dogs have nightmares about?
1: I don't know. She growls and she, like um, – you can see her little feet, like, twitching like she's running. So she's chasing something or running away. So. Oh,
0: sounds a bit dark, yeah. actually. Damn! Yeah, Live the life, yeah. Because yeah, she was a she was a <laughs> rescue, wasn't she?
1: Yeah, yeah. And we see more and more little triggers come up from her the longer we have her. So it's been interesting um, as time goes on. But she's getting there. Nice. She's doing well. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, what are your thoughts on uh, powerful men in 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 these uh, maybe CEO or famous positions you know the stereotype is definitely that they sleep around a lot and they uh, probably do have a lot more you know opportunity and potential to do that just with the money they have they probably have a well you would think in a really powerful position you actually don't have a lot of spare time but often you do they're just sort of hyper focused on one or two little things on on just a few creative things and any sort of laborious work they're actually palming that off to other people so uh you probably do have a lot of spare time You, you look we also should talk about the fact that these men are often very attractive to a lot of to a lot of women and that allows them to to sleep around a lot and act in that sort of way and of course not every man who's famous or in a position of power is like that but it at least definitely seems like there's a disproportionate amount that are uh you know uh, fuck boys or I, I, what's the classy term for a fuck boy again i've forgotten it's not gigolo is there a classy term it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's um uh, or yeah womanizer yeah yeah Oh, well, that's not I, I, that's not exactly classy but uh <laughs> what how do you know. define like what's a woman like compared to say a misogynist what exactly is a womanizer how do you define that
1: I think a womanizer is like the boomer slash early min- millennial term or fuckboy. boy, it's just someone that uses women, is good with women and has sex with women. Okay,
0: okay. well then that probably is the appropriate word. Yeah, um, yeah a lot of womanizers. And, you know, J- Boris Johnson has recently just sort of given up the UK prime ministership. It was quite well known that he... I think he's got a girlfriend now, but he had you know left his wife for a younger woman. He'd also... While he was in charge of the the Spectator, I was listening to this podcast. He'd literally come in for a, as a little uh, as he needed to each week and just flirt with the staff and go home. That's that's according to the, this <laughs> podcast. And you know, you kind of also get a, you, you can become quite despondent about these uh, otherwise well revered, often men in these powerful positions that you always thought would be working ten hours a day extraordinarily diligent and competent and then you figure out yeah. oh they're working 4 hours a day they're on a salary of a million dollars and they're going out to the bar and yeah. either fucking an escort or the intern and yes. you're like well what yes. i get, i get that i get the whole uh a- anger towards that as well cuz it's infuriating these are the people you're supposed to trust to yeah. you know in every in all the other sort of philosophies and and moral codes Throughout history, it was the person who was the leader had to lead by example, had to set the moral tone for everyone underneath them, for their subordinates. Now, look, have I been perfect when I was a touring comedian? Yeah, I mean, I probably when I was single, I guess I took advantage of that. I don't think I did anything. Uh, well, I, d- I guess it depends if if you're religious or something. Yeah, maybe I did something wrong there. But um, with entertainers, it's almost expected. It's like you kind of expect yeah. a charismatic entertainer to sleep around, which is weird when you think about it because all the people I know now who are like sleeping around a lot, they just don't – I'm shocked that they can actually get as much work done as they can. They're almost like high-functioning drug addicts. <laughs> they, they they somehow manage to get a lot of work done and still maintain this kind of high-status position yet yeah. every week they're, they're you know they got a new girl or or whatever it's it's more than that to be honest yeah. like the extent through which you get to when you I talked to some other famous comedians right and I'll never forget this once at a Melbourne comedy festival I was like maybe 22 23 and I'd only just been I guess famous for a, a little while and I'd in the space of a month I'd had maybe like three or four one-night stands and I was super excited about it because I didn't have much attention in in high school and i was like wow i'm like living the rock star life and I've, <laughs> I've had four one-eye stands In it was something like three weeks or something like that and and oh. then my friend uh i'm not gonna name names but another famous comedian was like oh yeah i've I've fucked like five girls this week hey it's pretty fun and it was it was <laughs> wednesday like how'd you even do that <laughs> oh <my laughs> when you get God, to when you get to that so echelon creepy. i mean I I don't think I need to – I don't think it's any big scandal or whatever. Like I don't know if you know Tommy Little. It's like a well-known fact that he's just like a massive playboy and they literally hint at it on the project and on all these shows that he's on. Oh. So, yeah, it's just he he gets around. Russell Brand, everyone knows that guy just got around. And with entertainers, I don't know why. It's just kind of expected and it seems kind of fun. But for for whatever reason, when it's like a – 60 year old CEO in a suit it's oh that's wrong that's uh that's weird so that's yeah, an interesting
1: point. yeah. So but
0: tragic. uh what let's let me first ask you this do you think that uh if a man gets to this kind of higher status position then they're more likely for whatever reason to uh sleep around and to act that way or do you think men who really want to act that way and want to sleep around are just obsessed with getting into positions of high status and power. I mean, it's likely a combination of both, but mm. what what do you think?
1: Yeah, I was going to say I think it's a combination of both. Um, I've definitely experienced both sides of those kinds of um, men. And I think that women are more attracted to men in positions of power. That's been studied numerous times. And, like, for, for example, one study was they had um, – a bunch of single women being shown eligible bachelors or potential romantic partners. And they were asked to rate them for who they would most likely want to go on a date with. And they had um, all these men that were really, really good looking and they put them in um, as jobs, just standard jobs, marketing, barista, everyday, whatever. And then they had some sub average looking men as high earning doctors And majority of the women picked those men. So that's just kind of one example of why power is an attractive quality to many women. Um, And, you know, there's always links back to the biology and the primitive state of women and men and tribes. We've talked about that a million times about why women might be attracted to that, but also just that it's an exciting opportunity that, you know, it's kind of like this fantasy. A lot of people sell themselves on the what the fantasy of what this could be. Like, if, did you ever watch the Tinder spoiler? Yeah, <laughs> That's like the best example yeah. of it. Like, you just see how easily he swept these women up. And a lot of them weren't like, they weren't gold digger types, not from, you know, first glance. You wouldn't look at them think like, oh, they're seeking out rich men. They're just like, I can't believe my life is a fantasy. Like I've had this man who's offering me everything. He meets them in a hotel. He flies them on a private jet, and they're like, it's so exciting. So uh,
0: I just want to jump yeah. in with a side note there. The more I've been exposed to, I guess, rich men or or, or men that have uh, you know uh, cues that would that would uh, hint at their wealth. You start to realize how fake yeah. a lot of it is. Almost all these guys on Instagram that show off their Bugattis and have their fancy suits, they got that shit on loan. You know, they're trying to they're trying to show how rich they might be. As they mm-hmm. say, real wealth uh, moves in silence. And, you know, the bigger the, some of the wealthiest yeah. people in the world literally wear t-shirts and jeans and joggers to work and, you know, Warren Buffett yes. famously just drove a 19, a really old car for many, many years, which actually makes a lot of sense considering he's an investor because it's like, why would you buy a $200,000 vehicle and it's just going to depreciate other than to just show off your wealth? Um, and they've come from, you know, money or they're just mm-hmm. trying, or they'll like literally hire out a, you know, a Bugatti for the day to take a bunch of Instagram photos, hire out the suit to make they, to make themselves yeah. look more uh, you know, powerful than they are. But then it works because then then they come across in a certain way and people are more likely to give them opportunities and to offer them certain positions and, and eventually they get mm-hmm. well, hopefully they get found out, but you can sort of fake it till you make it if you're really, you know, charismatic enough. But anyway, that's just a side note, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah. It's like that um, thing I've been seeing on TikTok saying that rich men will never or rich people will never wear clothes that have designer emblems on them, like Gucci and things like that. That's what people that want to be perceived as rich wear. But uh, people that are rich will wear no brand. And it reminds me of when I was 22, I did this, um, master practitioner of life coaching course. And it was, I think there was like 40 of us in the whole course. It was majority women. And I was the youngest person there by about 20 years, literally. Um, and I was a young female and there was only three men. So when I got there, um, I sat up in one of the rows on my own and of course I had (laughs) Every man, the three of them on either side of me, um, every single day sat next to me. And one of them was he was like 45, married with kids, and he didn't look to be rich. It wasn't until he started doing his introductions that it was very evident that he's extremely successful, extremely wealthy. And he wore like these ugly red polo shirts and shorts and like he he dressed like Adam Sandler, basically, (laughs) and kind of gave that vibe. And as the course went on, though, every single woman in there was swooning for him, and he was so humble, though. And he was—he was very much that leadership right. style. He had a great sense of humor. He would look people in the eye. He'd compliment them, and he was so successful in his career as well. Um, he was a really like inspirational. You can see why people got swept up. With him, and then I had this other guy um, who was—he was a couple of years older than me. He was ten years older than me. He was thirty-two, and he was also very rich and successful. And we kept getting well. He kept making me his partner for everything that we had to do. And one of the first things that we had to do was set a goal um, on what we can coach the other person for. And I was struggling, so I just made a goal up on the spot, and I said, "Okay, the next." like five months or something um, I want to increase my savings by twenty thousand dollars and he casually mentioned to me that that's like half of his weekly income and <laughs> I was like he casually okay. mentioned something like, cool. that. Hey, I don't I can't remember it was like six years ago I can't remember how he said it but it did. the way he said it it didn't come across cocky to me it was just like I think he was struggling for a goal and I said like do you want to pick a financial one it's just easier then we can track it like with numbers or whatever and he was like that's that's not gonna that's not gonna be an issue kind of thing um and he dressed relatively well and him and I actually over the course of the year became quite like good friends um so he At first, he was very like flirty and you know how it is. Um, But we got past that because I was so turned off by literally everything, every single thing that came out of his mouth. I was turned off by. But we became friends, which was nice. And he told me all these things that how, um, for example, like what you were saying before, he works like three hour days. And he just hires people. He hires specialists to run his That's what company happens. for him. Yeah. So he doesn't, yeah, he didn't have to do anything. And then I said, so how do you spend your days? And he said every Wednesday and every Sunday he gets a king bath. And oh, he goes to this place in, this in like Darling <laughs> Harbour. It's waterfront. Oh, it's not like a sleazy brothel. A it's like penthouse. Kind of thing. And then he sits in this spa. He books it oh, out for fuck. the whole day. Okay, this is um, triggering me. He sits me. in this bath and he has eight women <laughs> massaging him, pampering him, giving a facial, <sighs> joining in the oh, spa with God. him, doing anything <sighs> he wants. And then um, he also had a child. Um, and I asked him, like, what's your relationship like with the baby mama and things like that? And he was like, oh, it's, you know, it's okay because, like, my child is and her are set up for life. So, like, she overlooks a lot of things. And I was like, was she overlooking them in your relationship? Like, why did you break up, blah, blah, blah. And he basically said that he dates women frequently and he gets into relationships quite frequently. But he expects that they turn a blind eye to him um, sleeping with escorts. And I said, well, why do you choose escorts when, you know, clearly he was quite handsome. I was like, you're good looking. You're really successful. Like, why do you go to escort? Can I guess? Can I guess? And
0: Did he say it's just a convenience thing? I doesn't have like time is money. And, you know, relative to the amount of time I have to work and what I can do, I'd rather just spend X amount of money for one hour with this escort and then just go back to work. And he probably has the means to do it. Was that his answer? (laughs)
1: well it wasn't time as money it was i know what i want and i'm gonna pay Mm, to get exactly what i want i'm not gonna fuck around and, and put my chances up to a random woman no matter how hot she is then he showed me the app he uses to get escorts and how it works and it was so fascinating so he said normal everyday men will pick women like this and they were all um thai women about 300 to 600 dollars a night and he said men that are pretty wealthy will use this one and it was like a lot of like latino women um some asian women and they were like very young very attractive the fake boobs etc and they were about $1,000 to $2,000 a night. And he said, men like me, pick this one. Then he showed me the third slide and, or the third page. Yeah. And it was women that was 6000 12000 18000 Absolutely stunning. And he's like, anything I want, anything I feel like. I tell her to come with pizza, she'll bring me pizza. I'll tell her I want anal at 4 p.m., she'll give me anal at 4 p.m. And uh, I was like, so in your relationships, you still see these escorts? And he was like, yeah. And she's just going to have to turn a blind eye. I don't give a fuck if she knows or if she doesn't know, but she's going to turn a blind eye to it. And me being 22 and like feminist, I was getting so angry, and I was like, "Well, what if she goes and fucks someone?" He's like, "Well, then she's lost the best thing that's (laughs) ever happened to her." So he, oh god, no fear. Yeah, but that's not surprising. I mean, that's
0: obviously a stereotype, but that is pretty much how. And I'm that's extreme levels of wealth. We're not even talking about someone who's famous in the media and might be on a salary of three, four, five hundred thousand a year. This guy I'm assuming is on is probably worth in in the tens of millions or something like that. And that's where you get that kind of level of wealth. But but you sorta do whenever you are exposed to that level of wealth, they do act that way. They kinda and and to be fair, like a lot of women who might chase that sort of level of wealth kind of know that they sort of tacitly understand they're probably going to be fucking Mm. escorts and things and and then the the women are more uh, can be uh you know they're they're in it for the money as well you know let's be honest how many of these people are they dating because they're such nice people on the inside they're they're there for the status for the wealth for the for the money for the lifestyle and I, I, i i i'm not gonna name names but you know there's plenty of stories even in Powerful positions in the entertainment industry, where that's just standard. You kind of expect that, and you, you know you see this stuff on certain podcasts now, and you hear it in the manosphere that it's just that should be expected of a, of a man who's rich and and powerful. He's gonna fuck around. He's gonna have multiple partners. And the deal for women dating a man like that is like, yeah, you just got to deal with that. You got to put up with that if you want this kind of rich successful yeah. powerful man now uh i, I like i say i think it is a combination of both where but i think these men probably do have like an inherently high sex drive and a man with a high yeah. sex drive will often be quite they'll have a lot of energy you can say that much and they will usually that goes hand in hand with higher testosterone and there's all these kind of markers that will make them want to be ambitious and kind of more competitive and look to constantly be moving up social hierarchies and, and trying to succeed. And that often goes hand in hand with a man who wants to have multiple sexual partners and really wants to you know, do everything he can in, in that regard. And often a lot of high-powered lawyers are like this, a lot of uh, pretty much any, yes. a lot, not any, but yeah. a lot of businessmen. Are, and, yeah, you're gonna, I'm in the uh, industry where this is just very prevalent and, and kind of rampant. And, you know, I guess with like even large social media stars, yeah. you know, a lot of kind of fuckboyish behavior. Again, look, I'd be lying if I said I didn't do that for a while and I uh liked it. It was fun. But after a while it becomes Yeah you know, yeah. I actually sort of thought, well hang on, like I can't get as much work as I'd actually like to get done done. And it's actually more um convenient to just have a monogamous relationship and then be able to focus on my work. Which sounds like I'm dating yeah. my girlfriend because it's convenient. But that's not true. Convenient. Um, but uh <laughs> It's also a bit like a drug, I think. I think if you don't have money or you don't have a lot of sex when you're younger, you kind of are obsessed with flaunting it and trying to prove something. I think that comes down to it. Yeah,
1: I think so, definitely. And also just uh, a big sense of entitlement. So one thing I noticed, and you kind of mentioned all this before, like why is it so it can be kind of cool or interesting when it's young guys. And then when they're like 60 year old CEOs, it's like really gross and sleazy. And the difference for me is the entitlement that they have. So like, for example, that guy that I was just talking about before the young one, he was a bit flirty with me. And I would say to him, like when he told me these stories about what he does, I would literally just outright be like, that's so disgusting. That makes me sick. Like I could never be with someone like that and he used to just like laugh at it like he would laugh at that me insulting him and would banter about it and things like that and then in another job I had part of my role was going and speaking in major corporations to their board members about the kids I work with in hopes to get funding and also I'd go to golf clubs on special events that they did like members events and speak to (laughs) rich men to try yeah. and get funding. like And they would always be like, look really pretty and try to get money, basically. Oh my God. And these men, <laughs> I hated with a passion because they were so rude, so condescending, and yet would just expect things from me. I remember one man who came up to me afterwards, he was like 65, yeah. at least, <laughs> I don't know, and tried to pursue me, Basically outright asking me, he said, look, what time you finish here, I'm going to take you to dinner, um, then you come back to mine after, like super straightforward, and I said, no, like, I don't want to do that, I don't know who you are, and he was like, well, you don't need to know who I am, like, blah, 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 I'm this, well, I'm this chair person, on this board um, met me before okay, this is what I do and I was like oh it's okay thank you so much. like if someone had said this to me now I'd be like fuck off but I was young then and I was like thank you so much but that's okay and he literally just straight in front of me looked me up and down and was like insulting me um so bluntly and so rudely in the way he spoke to me because I denied him and he said why would you just say no? And I said because I don't, I don't want to. Like, thank you. That's okay. That's way too nice. And he was. Like, that's probably you'd I get, don't get that it. at a
0: club as well. There'd be a lot of guys that aren't necessarily rich that would respond that way as well. You, the classic is like the, the yeah, joke is, "Hey, you're so beautiful, and I'd love to get a drink with you." Uh, no, yeah. thank you. Oh fuck, you're a bitch then, and you're ugly. <laughs> it's. Like, it was like you, like you incel, know, kind does of? it doesn't make yeah. any sense. You yeah. idiot. Um,
1: he was so rude to me, yeah. I just couldn't believe it. But a lot of them were like Yuck. that. And it was when I spoke to them and they would try to flirt with me or they would touch me and grab my ass. Never once cracked a smile, never said anything even flirty or or bantery or asked me anything. It was just I walked past, they could grab, you know, touch my thigh or something, or they could say something inappropriate to me and not laugh with me, but laugh with their buddies. And I was like, I work with, like, disadvantaged children. Like, this is not my lifestyle. I don't know what's happening. It was overwhelming. But just the difference between young rich guys I found and the older ones in those events was very different. When I went and spoke to the younger guys, they'd all be like, Liza, come chat. Like, very charming and alluring. And I could see the appeal in that. But the older ones are just like, they could probably get it if they wanted to. Um, not with me, <laughs> but naturally, so they don't have to put in that effort and the groundwork. I don't know, but it was just, they were all yeah,
0: like that. Yeah, uh, definitely not surprising and I, it makes, it, it sort of helps mm. me understand maybe some of that furor that comes from maybe Gen X or baby boomer women who have probably gone through the their corporate career having to... Uh, you know deal with the that that sort of yeah. behavior and then sometimes a younger yeah. man i'm not 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 to say younger men are perfect or anything like that at all but compared to gen x or baby boomer men you know we hear some of these stories of corporate malfeasance or men in positions of power doing just ob- objectively horrendous things and and you think well why are you treated you know like that that's not mm-hmm. that isn't all men and it's there is that frustration there but it does make sense it sounds like in politics a lot um this kind of stuff happens and you know some of the stories from the liberal party last year where it's just that guy jacked off on a desk and the you know the assault and it's just like what these are the people that are supposed to be in the most powerful (laughs) positions in and and you would think they would then act with the most uh you know moral responsibility but it's just the the level of incompetence and just There's no, you know, they they have complete impunity because they have so much power and status. And then uh, you probably look back throughout history, and so many, I guess, "quote unquote" great men probably did act like that. I mean, it was probably more expected in the um, 1800s and 1700s, and a lot of the uh, wealthy women had affairs and things like that as well but it always seems like the wherever there's money and status and power there's just a lot of reckless sexual behavior it just seems like either that's what we're meant to be doing as humans we're all supposed to be in tribes and just having sex on tap and working three hours a day in a hunter-gatherer society or there's uh something about status and power that enables that and and or uh, encourages men who want to do that to to get to that point now to to also come back to say uh the uh, opportunities that are available for men with you know i guess status and power um that does that does make it uh a lot easier often so especially with something like fame i'm not a massive level of i don't have a ex- you know huge level of fame or anything like that but there's a huge difference in the interest i would get when i didn't have that compared to what i did get and you know if i'd slide into someone's dms and they can see, you know i got all these followers and blue tick and things like that yeah it's just a lot easier (laughs) i i remember i was with one of my comedian friends and then we were with our other friend who was just in marketing or something and we were you know showing our dms and we were single at the time and who we wanted to maybe dm and and he was just in in utter shock he was like i can't even believe this is possible whereas we thought oh i thought wow. this was just like a normal thing guys did but i guess not so you you're not
1: every guy listening to this yeah well there's levels right to that hate
0: because i hate those ceos as well <laughs> but um
1: does, um did did your girlfriend or does your girlfriend get insecure about that because i would I would
0: always be a little bit insecure um about that. i no, she hasn't sort of spoken to me about that, and I don't get you know it's not like i'm a i am th- ai feel like musicians and things get the most but uh I don't really yeah. you know it was still more it was it was very rare that you just get the offers, but you know if you maybe propositioned other other women it was just yeah, because they're more, they're more inclined, inclined to go on a date with these. It's probably yeah. that excitement thing like, oh, he's this kind of f- famous yeah. comedian. That's really cool. That's really exciting. And, yeah, in many ways both people are objectifying yeah. each other. Like I'm a sort of, you know, th- this man's just like a status yeah. symbol and she's just someone who's hot that I want to have sex with, right? So it's... it's
1: yeah. Which I think is a really good point to make because I can already foresee yeah. the comments on this podcast being about women going after men in power, but it's an exchange. It's a it's an exchange yeah. where you're both getting things, you know, both getting needs met or something exciting. Um, so sex may be exciting to something, someone and money may be exciting to someone else. But I think another point I kind of wanted to make on that note is that um, and why women may be attracted to this, like the biological needs aside, is first of all, I think that the the option of opportunity, like we said before, is really exciting and women are more likely to say yes to it. Whereas men are more likely, and we kind of talked about this in a podcast, it was like women in power or something like that. Um, men are more likely to be intimidated or sometimes even turned off by a woman that can a woman that earns lot of money and can offer them a lot of opportunities and often say no or deny that i've had two guys be basically reject me or be upset because i out earned them um and say things like that so one it's like is it just because women are desperate for opportunity or is it men sometimes having a mindset where that is not an appealing thing to them to have a woman be the one to sort them out that being said a lot of men or obviously like i know a lot of guys that are <laughs> such sugar mamas um, but from the things it's, i've it's read still thing.
0: though women who are generally like high earners and and very ambitious are not attracted to men who uh, have a salary underneath them or, or not just a salary but like maybe don't meet their level of uh, competence i've I, that's what i've read and and you know usually they're then attracted to someone who's on their level or even higher whereas a man who's maybe let's say CEO or whatever will will probably just date whoever they I don't I don't think status and and money is a yeah but that was probably a bigger factor to, I don't think sort of yeah. status and money for a man who already has status and money is a major factor having said that you do see a lot of um children of multimillionaires and billionaires often date other children of multimillionaires and billionaires so uh, that could be you know very how yeah. often does a billionaire go and marry a nurse or something like that that just doesn't really happen but uh i do think the yeah I'll i was just say remember. the other way around where sorry you go. Uh, the studies i've seen and, and read and heard are that usually high performing women in terms of career and things like that would generally not be that attracted to say a, a, a male nurse or a, a, a you know a man who's Maybe working on a job site or something like that. They'd want someone who's on their, you know, income status or higher.
1: I think that I can't remember because we did it. For, we did this so long ago. This podcast, but I remember there being something like it was. We were talking about attraction, but who they actually ended up dating and marrying did not align to that statistic. So, who they're more attracted to was women, uh, men in power and powerful positions, but who they actually ended up pursuing, um, dating, and marrying was more commonly likely to be dating down um, for women in high earning incomes. So, there's kind of like a little interesting. Differentiation, and the other thing, kind of connected to that attractiveness, is you know how I always say, um, you know, the key to women's desire and sexuality and turning women on is that women want to feel desired. Um, I saw a a um, snippet of a conversation from Esther Perel yesterday, and she was basically actually making that same point, not in those words though, about being. Desired. It was more so saying that women are very attracted to men that make them feel that they are the object of desire and sexuality, because women are so you know typically um, nurturing and more likely to look after someone and care for someone. That being able to switch that position and have someone look after them and care for them is something that is so sexually gratifying to women. Um, so I kind of think that there's a link to that as well. Like seeing a man in power, you're more likely to perceive them as being like, this man can look after me, you know, physically, financially, whatever. Um, there is an attractive there that I don't have to motherless person I don't have to look after them I don't have to do everything I don't have that's to do the laundry yeah, etc so
0: uh a lot of uh, yeah, anecdotally yeah. uh some of the experiences I've had but also a lot of my male yeah. friends as soon as I guess they've been perceived as unable to not just take care of her but take care of themselves there's a loss of sexual attraction yeah. and often a loss of emotional co- attraction yeah. When it exactly that yeah, yeah no, child. One, no one really wants that um, <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. I you know, the man doesn't want that either. But it's just, you know, some people just don't have their shit together, I guess. But yeah. there's other factors as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What does this say about our, uh, I guess, hierarchies in extrapolating it a bit and talking maybe just broadly about society? What does it say when in the last 10 to 15 years in particular, there has been so much poor behavior exposed by people in positions of of power and when it's men in positions of status and power particularly sexual uh behavior that the general population would deem uh unethical what does that actually say about our uh, you know hierarchies and 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 I guess the, the right and left wing argument here is someone like Jordan Peterson is always talking about how the left is always saying hierarchies are based on, on power and and he's saying, no, they're based on competence. To get to that level of power and status, you need to show a degree of competence and you need to actually be good at what you do and, yeah. and have a vision and be able to push that organization forward. And I guess the left, broadly speaking, might be saying things like, "Hey, look, these um, hierarchies are built upon oppression, and you know, there's there's not, it's not just competence. It's it's a sort of myopic view to assume that it's all just based on, uh, you know, merit and and competence. And when you hear a lot of these stories come out, you can't help but feel, well, yeah, how how can you be that competent? I mean, even you go back to say Bill Clinton in the White House." getting a blowjob from the intern. I just can't help but feel how is that this is the most it should be probably the most professional person in the world. Yeah. And he's getting his dick sucked. Like go to work. Yeah. You know, do some do your job, bro. <laughs> like, this yeah. is just so And I'm not coming from it I'm not coming at it from a sort of religious conservative point of view where, oh, getting your dick sucked, that's, you know, in in I mean, yeah, that's he does he did have a wife. You shouldn't do that, obviously, but it's also from a how is this supposed to be the beacon of uh, professionalism and leadership and and managerial Mm, capability when something like that has happened unless people have a a misguided view of what it actually takes to be in these powerful positions. And and like you've just uh, articulated with the person you were speaking to, a lot of that is just sort of delegating tasks and you just get to be in this really Mm. awesome situation where you decide I guess the big decisions of the company or the government or you sort of actually have the power of just delegating oh hey treasury you do that now I'm gonna go get my dick sucked like that's just so it's so uh disappointing yeah. in many ways and then you hear stories of, I guess yeah. these are all myths and who knows how true these are but you, you know some of the warriors of uh yesteryear in, in medieval times where they would literally sleep uh when there weren't enough beds or something, the leader and the captain would sleep on the ground because it was his responsibility, his moral responsibility yeah. to say, hey, I I need to set the standard here. If uh, all of my men can't, you know, eat, then I have to also not eat. And there's stories of, I guess, the, the most successful alpha chimps, and this is a completely different species, of course, but they're very equidistant to us in the evolutionary timeline. The ones that seem to be the most successful are the ones that, give the most and are actually the most uh you know g- gracious yeah. with their resources and uh in I was listening to a podcast the other day which, which had Chris Ryan on it And I don't know you know I have mixed feelings about Chris Ryan, but he was saying in many human hunter-gatherer societies, the person who was uh you know a- accepted as the as the leader or in our modern terminology the manager of the of the tribe was never someone who actually said i want to lead or put their hand up to to be that person because that was seen as almost an illness like some kind of there's something wrong with them if you want to actually have power over other people but it was the person who was just the most charitable who gave away the most who sort of you could trust that person Mm. to have all this power because they've shown with the limited amount of power they have they've been um charitable with it but then you get into a uh, yeah. discussion about, well, if the system exists as it does, you kind of have to adhere to various behavioral codes to even move up the certain, the given hierarchy that we, that you may be in, particularly in sort of, I, I assume in, in, in sectors like banking or uh, in, in any kind of corporate environment, basically, you just kind of, you have to be quite ruthless and profit driven and performance driven and it's a mixed bag if you will so is it sort of utopian and foolish to think that mm-hmm. um the, the 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 real person who rises to the top is the most competent and the most generous with their resources and gives them it's just very who who knows anyway i'm sort of rambling a bit yeah. here but i guess uh just uh hearing a lot about what goes on behind closed doors in positions of power particularly among men is very uh it's confusing it's perplexing and i'm sure it's also extremely infuriating for a lot of women to to hear about what's happening and it's yeah (laughs) it's just yeah what do you yeah what do you what do you do about it then what's the because there's now more accountability than there was with the me too movement and and things but i can't help but feel that Power just finds another way to uh, coalesce and, and get around these rules, if you will. So,
1: yeah, It's so hard and you're right about it being infuriating for women to see these and that yet these are the men that make the decisions about us. And especially with what's happening at the moment with the abortion laws and things like that is mind-blowing um, that men are making these decisions about women. And anyway, I won't go too much into that but because I'll get too... <laughs> Too hyped up. Um, but I think that the relationship between leadership and power is is change, uh, changing and is no longer mutually ex- exclusive. And that, like you said, leadership used to mean something, which it no longer means at, a, anymore. And I'm doing, I said it, um, a couple of times, I'm doing this course at the moment. It's a leadership course. And they speak a lot about the difference of being a leader and being like uh, a manager And both can be equal in power, but a leader is one for the people and that benefits the people and looks at all the people. And a manager is someone that makes the smart business decisions, economic decisions, and is also usually more self-serving. How how much of that is Um, just not
0: to be too cynical, I suppose, but how much of that is corporate sloganeering and, you know, (laughs) does
1: that that actually
0: (laughs) come to fruition?
1: I think so. Okay. I think it, I absolutely think it does because we all had to rate ourselves and people often found themselves in one, um, one side of the party rather than other. And anyone, everyone that's in that course has to be a kind of, uh, manager of sorts. So it has to have a team below them. So you can't just go in to study it for fun. Um, it has to be, if you have your own team of employees. So I think that it was interesting to see who was in one side of the camp and who was in... The other and they weren't actually saying being being a leader was better they were often saying that there's benefits to both types of these uh, positions of power and the people that uh, were in that management position they're really uh, I was gonna say lovely but they were very different in personality they were a bit more cold a bit more well we make the decisions for the business we make the decisions on how to progress. Like me and yeah. the, them are night and day together, uh, which was really interesting. And they would look at me and say, you know, I know I need to be a little bit more like you at times for the benefit of the organization, but I also don't actually need that. Like I don't need to be like that. And then I would look at them and think, well, there are definitely aspects of that that I need to uh, implement within myself rather than just being like, oh, well, how is everyone feeling? <laughs> What's the well-being of the team? Like." That's not all everything. Um, So I think it's a kind of an interesting balance between the two, but it's definitely the biggest influence in this day and age, I think is just money and money can get you, get you anything. Money gets you respect these days. Um, And as much as people like to deny it, it's, it's true because when you look at people that are CEOs of major, major corporations, often they're not lovely and nice and inspiring Sometimes, Sometimes they're dickheads and they're good with money Psychopath. and they can <laughs> very often, <laughs> but they're the high majority. functioning, okay. Yeah. So well, well, there's yeah, there's that as well, which is an actual thing. So, um, what are your
0: thoughts? I I don't I don't know. Uh, I I do it, look. It's easy to judge from an external point of view as well. Look, if I had a billion dollars and I was yeah. sitting on the you know penthouse of a of a skyscraper in the CBD, and I had an assistant saying, hey, you're making so much money. Do you want to get this like five grand escort? That's just going to what? Do what exactly whatever you want for exactly 30 minutes, and then you can get back to work. Well, I hope in that position, I say, no, what's the point of that? That five grand could go towards, I don't know, a bonus for an employee that is doing a good job or something. But I don't know. I've never been in that position, so I don't know how I would act. And we don't, humans are imperfect. And when you give people that much money and power and and so, well well when society is is uh just so happens to be structured in a way that a, a small uh ilk of people have that much uh, money and power and status maybe it's just human nature that there is going to be a lot of that sort of behavior in those positions and in any kind of hierarchical society which uh, any society will always have a hierarchy even in a sort of more egalitarian society more social hierarchies will develop i mean you even go back to something like i i always love analyzing the social dynamics of high school as a little microcosm of uh you know the the human condition and the the way we'll all behave based on our given mm-hmm. position in the social hierarchy and you know that quite literally there was a visual representation of this kind of principle in my high school where there was a thing they had called the hookups chart. And so they had each of the, everyone's names in our year 12 <gasps> common room. Yeah. And then so you had we a line had to everyone well. who had hooked up with someone. And there were these two men, well, boys back then who had so many lines to almost all the popular girls. And then there were just a bunch of other men who'd had a few lines here and there, but these two just had this clearly dominant position in the social hierarchy And it that kind of rule of power seems to be very reflective in human society. And now there's a lot of podcasts that are kind of talking about this, about how, you know, if we liberalize too much economically, but also culturally, it's not going to be this uh, perfect utopia where everyone can if they want to go through a period where they just want to sleep around they can do that and they can always get their needs met financially sexually it's what will happen is power will actually coalesce even more mm-hmm. within a smaller group of people economically and you know socially and and arguably for men sexually and that has huge consequences for the rest of society and this is by no means um me excusing any of the particularly if it's a legal it's one thing to, you know, to cheat and to sort of do things that are unethical but not illegal. But when it's like your Harvey Weinstein and stuff, that's just, yeah, well, good that he's in jail. There is now yeah. accountability there, which is good. Um, yeah. But, and I'm not – so I'm not yeah. excusing that behaviour, but right, yeah. is is there something to be said about, a you know, different kind of moral codes that – because – but then even then, historically – a lot of the west was very christian but this sort of stuff still happened so it's not like that really seems to change much i'm sure the saudi princes that live in the most muslim arguably one of the most muslim countries ever they're still going around you know whenever these instagram girls are like i'm going to dubai it's like yeah we know what you're doing you know it's i don't think they're living by the Quran. <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> clearly there's There's something about power and status in men who have power (laughs) and status. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Very interesting.
1: I think, though, that there is a combination of some people, you know, we always hear that saying that money changes you or power can change you. And, like, a a good Hollywood example of that is the Wolf of Wall Street movie. Uh, But also I think that a lot of people actually that are in these positions of power, and this is, you know, backed by research and studies, uh, actually just have that personality type. Like we've seen a lot of research that says that CEOs are much more likely to have antisocial personality disorder mm-hmm. or aka be um, like a psychopath. Um, and they're more likely to uh, lack empathy like and Jordan. lack social um, and emotional intelligence. <laughs> but, no,
0: I love the guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> No, 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 no. I I meant yeah, because I was (laughs) not saying yes to that Freudian slip. Um, But I think that that's an interesting point to make as well, is that people, and especially, you know, the the term psychopath, is that they know how to um, read people, they know how to understand people, and they know how to manipulate people, and that can be what puts them into positions of power. And there's also something called an altruistic psychopath, which is someone that seems like they're one for the people and seems like they're, you know, very charming and outgoing. But really, it's all about how can I self-serve? How can I promote myself and get myself up? And it's a highly effective way to work. So there are benefits to having zero empathy, um, unfortunately. And a lot of people, if not majority of people in power... Mm. And and, and to be fair as
0: well, I'm sure they are very high in... Uh, Conscientiousness and and IQ They're probably also a combination of They have those dark triad traits And are very intelligent And just Because look If you're going to be working 12 hours a day And managing a large company That's one thing If you're working 5 hours a day sleeping around, being ex- extremely hedonistic, and then still managing that company as effectively, then you're probably, uh, you're arguably even more intelligent because you're managing to do that with a smaller amount of uh, work hours. So uh, it, it's also, it, the yeah. male sex drive can be, as any man listening to this, I'm sure, or most men listening to this can relate, it's just, it it's so compelling to make you work and strive for things. And if it's sort of harnessed in a very, effective way for not just you but for society it's better for everyone because uh it can be yeah it's frustrating and things but it can also be just like the biggest motivating factor for you to um get to work and to build something Mm. and to achieve what it is that you want to achieve Mm. so there's also uh you know if it's if it's harnessed properly it can be extremely effective and Arguably that's the story of much of uh at least recent society. It's it's just like a this rapacious urge among a lot of men to continually build and expand and conquer that is loosely linked to their sex drive. And mm. yeah. That's
1: yeah. <laughs> And obviously, to make an obvious point, because I feel like I've been going on a rant about CEOs being dickheads, is that not all rich people are assholes and some are really beautiful people and they make their success because of that. Um, Like when I'm just looking at this book next to me by Sam Harris and think of how successful he is and he's an incredibly humble and intelligent person who's made his way because people are interested in his life um, but how many of these people 10 15 years ago
0: (laughs) or some of the people that i guess been exposed how many people would have thought a certain way about certain men and then certain and then stories come out and you're like oh look no one is perfect so i mean it's not it's beyond just being imperfect in some of these situations of course but any, if you ever have sort of this ideal perception, of, I mean, this is what we talk about in relationships, but if we're talking about it in terms of high-status individuals or people you may look up to, they've got their foibles, they've got their flaws, they've got their imperfections. I'm sure if you uh, hung around them for an extended period of time, you'd be disappointed because, you know what they say, never meet your heroes, so...
1: I, I actually they say did that. not yeah, know that was the your say. heroes because
0: you'll always they're be good. disappointed. You'll always be disappointed. The the idea you Makes have sense. of them and the way yeah. they've especially if they've been yeah. presented a certain way in the media, yeah. they're never they're never living up to that. They're never living up to that. And um Yeah. But you're absolutely right. A, a, true, a lot right. of people who are, you know, rich and successful and they're they're extremely competent, intelligent people who uh take that competency into their moral life as well um so mm.
1: when we uh get to the point of bringing guests on here let's let's try to get a really rich ceo and interview them that's yeah, sure. the yeah. right the they, they have to be self-made though because see. if it's someone who's been see. handed see a certain out. position <laughs> it's
0: never the same it's you, you have to look at people who are self-made okay. and then yeah. i think they a really unique breed of individual, but yeah. Um, well, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed that discussion <laughs> and let us know in the, in the comments what you thought. And uh, if you missed the start of this podcast, there'll, there'll be one more podcast and then we're taking a, a three to four month break while Eliza's going to be taking care of her baby. And I just need to sort of uh, look at a few things that I'm, I'm doing and probably scale back some things and, you know, probably put my CEO hat on a little bit there. (laughs) Where's profitable? What can I actually do here? That's worthwhile. But um, yeah, so uh, we'll see you next week. And yeah, thanks for listening. See you next week.